You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast. Follow on YouTube and Instagram, support through buymeacoffee.com, and subscribe to the only podcast that unpacks the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. Welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Joel, and today I have another special guest, which the Lord is gracious enough to give me. Uh, his name is Mike Donahue, formerly of 10th Avenue North. Uh, and in 2020, 10th Avenue North uh, decided it was time to end, uh, not because of any bad things. So don't, I hate how we always have to preface in today's culture. Uh, it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. And Mike Donahue seized the opportunity, reveling in, and I love the wording you've used here, reveling in the excitement to expand as a storyteller, communicator, and thought instigator whenever his, wherever his voice is heard. Mike also has a critically acclaimed book, Finding God's Life for My Will. It's an immediate bestseller, by the way. Uh, he has a podcast, Chasing the Beauty. Uh, that That's out, right? It is. <laughs> Stop whispering into th- <laughs> this, this podcast, Chasing the Beauty, is out. Uh, and he's also been writing and producing new music, which he had on the website it has for an upcoming debut solo album, but it's already been out, right? It's out. It, it is. is out. It's out yeah, everywhere. I need everywhere to, you I need to update that bio, bro. It's okay. I know you wrote this, didn't you? Yeah, totally. You did, because the wording is so what you would say. I, I did uh, I did I did have a hand in it. <laughs> it was written by someone else, but I was I greatly influenced. You were just in the back, you're ghostwriting. Um so yeah, there's a quick little bio for him. What's awesome about Mike is Mike has always seemed, and it's always apparent in any time, we've only had a few interactions, but you've always seemed to carry um, the ultimate calling on the life of a Christian higher than everything else that you've been doing with your hands, right? Like you've, you always seem to look to the Lord and to scripture that says, seek first his kingdom. And you say, okay, that's my main goal. And I'm going to do that. And then whatever whatever means by which that happens here, this side of eternity with whatever's in front of me, I'll, I'll do it. But it's not about whatever's in front of me as my calling, right? You know, we just talked about off you know, pre-podcast, Jeff and I talked about that. There's, we need, like you said, deconstructing your calling from, if you're in ministry, from a salary to what God's ultimately called us as ministers of the gospel in general. So I love, it's just apparent, like the bio is great because it makes you seem very, very philosophical and artsy and wonderful in that way but you're also so down to earth uh and so thank you so much for being on this podcast sir i i love to be on podcast <laughs> subtly you're like i mean i'm not i'm not super thankful to be on this podcast i just like podcasts in general i love I podcasts in general usually usually ooh, what makes a bad podcast um uh no comment no comment no i uh I, that is it's a very big intro trying to fill those shoes. We were, we were talking before you hit record of just how misconceived a lot of us have it that people who are in ministry are the ones on stage in a mm. church. And they are, but also, so is every person who follows Jesus. They have a calling. And uh, I was talking to a buddy, the word calling in the Greek in the New Testament, when you see it a couple of times, um, it actually translates better to invitation. Mm. This is a really fascinating idea, right? That our calling from God is an invitation from God. And what has God invited us to do? Mm. 
And Paul says, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, right? And so if I had to sum up everything that I'm about, it, I'm here on the earth to let people know that they're forgiven and invite them to forgive one another. Yeah. And I'll do that through whatever means. If I was a plumber, I would try to do that while I'm plumbing. Yeah. If I was a lawyer, I would try to do that while I'm lawyering. Nice. Uh, well done. Well said. I wrote a whole book about trying to deconstruct the obsession with calling. Yeah. You know, that's what my whole book is about. And, um, you know, it's funny. I write a book about that and then the identity and the, the ministry, quote unquote, that I was given for 20 years kind of gets taken apart. Yeah. And so I have to really believe the words that I said that my identity isn't wrapped up in this band. Yeah. What I've been yeah. It's, it's cool too. I'm, I'm one of those people that view everything the Lord's done in our life on, on online. And, and the way I say that is God, God's never surprised and he's always orchestrating. And so I look at your life. I mean, you, after 10th Avenue North had an incredible platform from which to then say, okay, God, I'm about reconciliation. And then God was able to say, yeah, guess what? I've, I've built this platform so that you have a greater reach to reach reconciliation to people that might not have even had reconciliation. Like I love, I love looking at our lives like that in the sense of, okay, I'm like me, I, we talk, I've talked about this many times on the podcast, but we're here in South Carolina and I'm interacting with people working from home for Cisco, the tech company and all that kind of stuff. And the things that I'm saying and talking about and the things that we're doing only could happen in the way that they're happening because God brought us through what he did and, and the, the, a measurable amount of experiences I had in my life bringing me here. Right. And, but I, I think we miss that. And I think it's the same thing that you talk about a lot is you, you're going to miss that if you're not looking for God's hand in your life. Right. If you just, I think if you just viewed, okay, 10 diamond North's done, what am I going to do now with music? You know, because I'm supposed to do music, right? What am I supposed to do? But I think you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have got your book, your book. You wouldn't have gotten this latest album. You wouldn't have got the podcast. If I, if that was your perspective. Yeah, there, there's a Frederick Beekner quote that really sums this up very concisely. And he says, your calling is where your deep gladness, or yeah, where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. Mm. So, so typically, as Christians, if you grow up in the church, you kind of view it as, okay, I can't I can't do what I want to do because that that's not going to please God right. and it's not going to help anybody. So what I got to do is what the world needs. What the world needs is for people to build orphanages or people to go to Africa. Mm, yeah. And it does need those things. But if you aren't particularly wired with a hunger and love for Africa, and then you try to go be a missionary in Africa, you're doing everyone. A yeah, it's true. Um, and if you've been uniquely wired and gifted, you know, because Paul says the Holy Spirit's given us all gifts, right? So if you've been gifted in a certain way, and then you go, ah, that would be selfish of me to do that. You know, you go, well, yeah, yeah. it could be if you just did it for yourself. Right. The, the sweet spot is when I go, what do I love? What makes me come alive? But don't end there. Go now, how can I use that in a way that actually benefits others? Yeah. And uh, I think I think that's what jesus has in mind yeah i sure hoped same but and i think you i would say you're doing it from my perspective right you know you've 
it's there's it's not a surprise you're an incredible um engager from the state right i remember long ago when you came to uh coastal years and years ago when you guys were doing your uh tour with chris tomlin and we had we had you come and you guys played a little set in between sermons and stuff and you you just exude um exhortation and engagement because not because it's you're a persona right as because there's some people who get on stage and it's persona it's a part of who their act it's a, you know who they are there on stage but it's just who you are in general and and i and i think you solidified that for me when we visited you guys in nashville and you wanted us over to have your dad's special barbecue and in the middle of those conversations you were exhorting and i'm I like this you know i i really have to give credit to uh when i first worked at a church i think this mega church for six years um before the band was full-time and my my mentor was a guy named andrew oak yeah and he beat into our head discipleship he said yeah the whole calling on you is disciple. And um, he, he, he broke it down into four relationships. So every, every believer should have someone wiser than them. And, and, he, and he made a delineation. They don't necessarily have to be older. Yep. Typically, they're going to be older. Uh, but someone who's kind of wiser further along the road than you, that's pouring into you, you know, Paul to Timothy. Yep. And then you're going to be doing the same thing for someone raising up, raising up someone. Then you need to have a relationship with someone peer to peer where you're kind of in the same stage of life and faith. And then you guys, and then you should have an ongoing, ongoing friendship with someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that was just beat into my head. So I would, I would camp out at Starbucks two days a week. And, and, you know, I was working for the church, so I had the freedom to do this at the time. Yeah. And I would just meet with high school dudes one after another like six in a row and I would just sit there for six hours. Yeah. And I felt like that was such a healthy thing to realize. I think a lot of us, we want, we want to minister to people, but we want like, we want to minister in a viral way. Yes. Where the least amount of work yields the most. Yeah, exactly. And ministry is almost always the other way. It's almost always pouring out a really expensive jar of perfume and it feels so wasteful. Yeah. You know, you, I remember we would we'd lead worship at this high school group and I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, because I was looking past, we had finished the set, right? Finished the service. And then a line of 10 high school students who were really socially awkward, who no one else wanted to talk to, would line up to talk. And I remember when I first started doing it, looking over their shoulder, because I mean, I wasn't married. I'm trying to hit on the other college mentor girl, you know, and the Holy Spirit said, would you stop looking over this person's shoulder? Yeah. Are you serious? Do you think that I look over people's shoulders right. to the better thing? And, mm. uh, and that was a huge wake up call for me. Uh, I call it embracing the ministry of interruption. Yeah. Usually, man, God doesn't give me any opportunities to minister. And then it's it's because the ones he's... Not the way we want. Yeah. Right. And because we think we're think we what uh, what the Holy... Like, it's the opposite. We think we're the college 
the hot college mentor that the Holy Spirit's trying to look towards, we we forget that we're actually that awkward high schooler uh, that someone's looking over. We're in one, that same boat. One thing I really appreciate about the church that I go to now is the pastors say they want to destroy green room culture. Um, okay. They don't want the pastors and the worship leaders hanging out in a special room backstage. Yes. Yeah. But before and after service, they're out milling around, talking to people, praying with people, being available. Yeah. And it, it actually really challenged me that I've been saying the next time I do a tour, I don't think I want to do any VIP tickets, even though the promoters are always desperate to do that. Right. To your overhead. Um, but I, and I want to do like an hour hang time before the concert starts. 10th Avenue North did this one time at a, it was the last, it was actually the last date of our regular tour for no really? Chicane, where we were in Brooklyn at this little club and there's only 400 people probably. And so we greeted everyone at the door and that's so cool. Hung out in the club on the floor with everybody and I, I see. I went. Why didn't we always do this? Why were yeah. we trying to build this? And this, this is the tension I, that I always experience as a Christian music artist: is perception um, actually destroys presence. Yeah. Like when you're trying to build perception, it it actually makes you less accessible. And it's it's weird to me when I see pastors or worship leaders trying to build this bigger than life perception because yeah. I, feel, I feel like the way of Jesus is to make yourself more accessible, not right. less. To make your presence greater and your perception as it will be, because that was you know Christ was not worried about what people thought when he was with the kids and the sinners. It, it's really summed up for me in the story of the of the bleeding woman. Yeah. Where people forget what's actually going on. First of all, talk about deconstructing your calling. The disciples thought they were going to be part of a military revolution. Yep. That's what they thought that they were following this rabbi. Yep. So they're trying to make the most, they're trying to maximize impact and influence all the time. So when Jairus, who's a synagogue leader, comes and goes, hey, my daughter's sick, the disciples go, yes, finally, we're getting a big a big leader in the community. Hot ticket we, item. Yeah, if we heal his daughter, it's gonna, this is going to help really the cause. elevate our status. And so Jesus is going through a crowd, and this woman touches him, and he stops, and he spins around, and he goes, who touched me? And the disciples are going, are you Everyone's me? touching you. What are you talking about? Everyone's touching you, and we are missing our prime opportunity. Yeah. And, and then the most radical part about that is that she's already healed. So why yeah. is he stopping? Why is he talking to her? Yeah. And I, I really just feel like he's saying, because, I mean, she would have been unclean woman in that culture. I mean, two strikes, right? And yep. he's going, there's no one unclean to me. There's no one beneath me. There's no one outside. And you are just as valuable to me as Jairus's daughter. Yeah. And we live so Man, I'm really talking for a long time. Sorry, but we we live so we are captives. We are slaves to time. Yeah. We are infinite souls bound in these bodies. And so we only have so much time. Right. And and you'll see it all the time. Entrepreneurs, I'll see entrepreneurs on Instagram. Time is your most valuable resource. So 
use money to buy time. Da, 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 da. And if we're not careful, I think there is some credence to that when you right. talk about finances and stuff, but that can kind of creep into the way we view people. Yeah. So certain people are worth my time and other people aren't. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just really feel like God's always, almost always, you know, calling me to minister to the people right now. Yeah. And yeah. I got to stop looking over their shoulder. I love that. I was, my mind kept going to that thought is looking over the person's shoulder. I, um, you know, so everyone on the podcast knows that I've been going to counseling after everything that happened in the past year. And one thing my counselor was talking about and we kind of came to realization was, um, was I've, I, I have a tendency to view relationships as, uh, on a spectrum of how much effort should I put in? How much does this require of me? And then how, how much effort will I put in? And I think we do that all the time. We go, okay, how much, how much does this require of me and how much am I willing to give for it? And we, sure. We do that. And that's the problem though, is when you, when you then translate that into ministry, like you're saying, and then even what you're doing for the Lord through your music, right? You have this idea of, well, I don't, if I, what if we're out in the club and someone wants to have a long conversation and I'm like, look, I can't give you this time because I have to, I have to get on stage or pastors or worship pastors. And like you said, we've, we've missed the mark and we're looking over the shoulder. And I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that will combat the celebrity culture in church is if we stop doing that often where we stop going away and we stop sit like sitting with each other on the stage right you know talking to each other afterwards always going hey that was good that wasn't great hey let's fix that and rather saying okay well this, we're, this isn't our job even if it is as a worship pastor that's still not your main job is your main job isn't to execute on sunday morning the best set you've ever done even if your lead pastor says it is i've been reading these articles it's interesting that there's a lot of people who are uh advocating that the highest virtue in the early church was hospitality. Mm. And you can see that through right. all kinds of exhortations. And apparently some people would argue that that's why Constantine had to take control of the church and Christianize the nation was because um, their hospitality was a threat to em empire. Because they, they were just so good at people. Well, it was deconstructing class. Yeah, yeah. It was tearing down walls between classes. And they needed that right. strict class system to keep power in. It's interesting. And I, I just really think we really, it's it's thing my dad has modeled for me so well. I mean, you even said it. You came over for his barbecue chicken. And, and my parents always just took in everybody. Yeah. And... We're actually exhorted to take in stranger, take in people, um, to be given to hospitality. Yeah. And it's just a powerful. Yeah, I I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. We we need to be better about hospitality. We don't do that in, in the church in general, but just hospitable with our time. Not just hospitable with, hey, are you having people in your neighborhood over? Because everyone wants to go to that. Have you talked to your neighbors? Do they know you know Jesus? Have you talked about Jesus to them? Have, have you invited them to this small group, right? Everyone goes to that and not not just, how hospitable are you with your time in general? On a, like on a, Especially on a Sunday or when you're really busy, right? So we're, we're on Winter Jam and Winter Jam is a bit of a grind. You, you're mm -hmm. basically in the inside of an arena during the coldest part of the year. Yep. Uh, so you can't really go outside. If you do, you're... you're you're huddled around 
like maybe walk into a coffee shop and taking band it. pictures you know stuff like that so this one winter jam they started getting us uh, a pass to a local ymca and they'd take a van of us and so you'd wait around for the runner you know you wait 30 minutes get in the van go over you know you'd be at the ymca and then get in the van so i mean it was like a four-hour deal to spend yeah. an hour at the ymca but a bunch of us started playing basketball it was like the thing that i looked forward to the most and this one day we get to this court and there's nine of us we realized one guy had to stay back and we go oh man we really wanted to run fives and there's a kid at the end of the the gym shooting by himself well, he's shooting with a girl and i go oh man let's let's get him to play i go I go, hey, you want to play? I, di I didn't mean the girl can't play. She was like just standing there and yeah. he was, she, she was not, she wasn't dressed for basketball. She didn't look like right. she wanted. Uh, I just realized I'm going to get blasted for that. Uh, I have four You're fine. No, not that many people listen to this podcast. You're okay. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> and uh, the dude turns, he goes, yeah. And we all realized that he's, like special needs has special needs of some sort yeah. and to be honest i would love to say we all went oh this is a great opportunity for us to get to love this kid love the least of these blah blah, blah. no we everyone oh who gets him well and the fact man this is our one hour during the day right. yeah do something and we yeah. can't and that sounds so privileged and just obnoxious and it is and this kid he comes over and you know, he can barely dribble and I pass him the ball because I tell I go, he'll be on my team. Blah, blah, blah. Right. I pass him the ball. The dude has not had the ball in his hands one second and he heaves up his three. Just, and it, it almost touches the rafters of the ring. It goes so high and you will not believe this. Comes down, boom. Right and in the net. Oh, down. man. And the dude's like, yeah and everyone goes oh my gosh that was crazy so we go down we come back down pass 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 then it gets to him top of the key another three-pointer as soon as he touches it throws it even higher this time i swear it hit a rafter comes down nothing but net you're like i got it i got a ringer are you kidding me bro i'm not lying third time down he grabs it this is this is from the logo he's halfway between half court Stop. and three and he heaves it Nothing but net. Three, three point one, almost a half court shot. He is screaming at the top of his lungs. The rest of us are now crying, <laughs> laughing, and hugging. Yeah, diving. And the thing is, and then after that, he threw four over the backboard. So it was right. this total, you know, blue. It right. just so happened. And I honestly, to this day, feel like the Holy Spirit orchestrated that to go. You never know what I'm going to do. Right. And how I'm going to surprise you if you would just embrace mm. being interrupted. And your time isn't your time. It's mine. So that's the thing, right? Our, a Christian would say, my money is not my money. My possessions are not my possessions. Right. Hopefully they would. And that goes, my time is not my time. Yeah. Um, that it's actually all the Lord's. These right. are the Lord's chips, you know? Get the corner Don't out of my face. you know I've had diarrhea since Easter's? Get the corner out of my face. Oh, uh, my God. Okay, so. Got to rain it back because I'll do Nacho Libre for, for the rest. And my wife would love it because that's one of her favorite movies of all time. It's still one of the weirdest. If you really, if you watch it all the way through, 
like not just quote it if you watch it again all the way through you're like this is actually really weird at times like really weird of course it's really weird and, but, like and it's funny but there's some moments with the tunnel and the the fat chick that always get me i'm like what's happening what is happening well to make art you gotta you gotta, gotta just step on that line of absurdity <laughs> and connectivity Okay, so where do you know the boundaries are unless you push? You know, what I'm saying? that's true. Amen. Well, you as someone who has kids and I as well, we know that's true. Um, My kids are like velociraptors testing the fences for weak spot, figuring me out. You're just. <laughs> you know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I just did not expect the raptor noises. Okay. Velociraptor noises. Woo. All right. Sorry, I got warm from that um okay so you we at one point we're going to talk about something along with your music that you might have wanted to talk about haven't gotten to talk about is there anything else that you wanted to talk about regarding your music your new venture that you haven't gotten to talk about yet or have you done so many podcasts and so many interviews this is just another one to you and you're like just just get, get this over with i definitely don't feel just to get, get this over with i'm having a lovely time i always uh, love you i I guess, um, man, I just want people to listen to. Yeah. I think, I think as an artist, it's not about I need to be famous, right? Mm. Uh, and 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 even as a songwriter, you get used to the fact that a lot of your songs feel like the woman pouring perfume on Jesus. Right. So I've written a thousand songs that no one's ever gonna. And so you have to get used to the idea that, hey, this might've just been for you and me. Mm. And, or it's might've just been for me. Yeah. You might've needed me to write this to figure something out. There's a great verse. I always come back to it in Psalm 49. David says, I incline my ear to wisdom and with the music of the lyre, I will solve my riddle. Mm. David says, I write songs to unriddle myself. And yeah. so that's how I feel a lot of the time. Um, I, you know, I get it's probably my ego. I don't know what part is my ego and what part is just the God-given good desire yeah. to give something to the kingdom of God that helps advance, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the hope of every songwriter, though. I mean, my, myself and my bandmate, like our whole goal in, in starting whatever we did and writing songs for the church was was not to combat the negatives that we saw in whatever XYZ church that we you and I were talking about, right? It wasn't to break that mold it was just hey let's serve our local churches where we're at and let's just now look a little bigger than just the one local church i'm at and the one local church you're at let's write more for like the global church and i think you i think there's nothing wrong with what you're saying i, I think that you writing for yourself uh like we kind of said before you writing for yourself and your relationship with the lord we you re-realize that as ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun and i think that equates to that's not nothing is only just you wrestling with this you you're not the first person to ever think this thought with the lord and so if, if you put this to music and so you doing what david did unriddling yourself with music you're unriddling someone else's ponderings with music yeah. that they've been like i haven't been able to figure this out and i think you've you've seen that you've seen that as you've you guys have played yeah. enough shows and seen people respond enough right yeah and i and i think as you're talking i'm thinking this there's this one song called the glory that glory that i couldn't see um, like if someone had could only listen to one song off my album, you say I that think one. That's the song I'd want them to listen to because 
it's it's sort of the deepest confessions and realizations that I had during the pandemic lockdown mm. quarantine of just realizing that up until last year when I would come home off the road I realized I never was actually off the road mm. and my brain my mind was always on the shows on right. the art on the bus and not present and so as i've heard people say let's get back to normal glory i couldn't see has kind of served as an anthem for me going ah dear lord don't let me go back right don't let me miss the lesson that i learned last yeah. year which was you know i have this habit on my birthday i look up articles on the top regrets of the people that are dying in hospice and you can actually happy birthday this. to you wow that's a great <laughs> Consider, oh man, your end, your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Right, you heard it here first, listeners. When it's when it's your birthday, think about your death and think about other people that have died. And uh, yeah. I actually make a habit of walking through cemeteries on the road. So I thought you were about to say on your birthday. <laughs> like it's this whole tradition that you, you first read about articles about people. Then you walk among cemeteries. Get this, man. It reframes you. The number one on every list, the number one regret people have is I didn't spend enough time with my family. Yeah. Man. Number two is usually I didn't take enough risks. Mm. So there's this twofold thing of, man, we, it feels so right. Play it safe and to just grind it out and Hey, sorry, babe. I'm, you know, I got, I got, I got to work. I got to do the thing. Right. And the truth is we rarely have to do what we feel like we have to do. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't want to go back. I, you know, I was talking to Jeff about this, actually talking about um, how in ministry I didn't have time. I, it's easy because your time isn't really your own. I mean, in ministry, it's, you know, the Holy Spirit says your time isn't your own. But in ministry, it's really quick and easy to go. Yeah, my time's not my own. I'm, tw I'm I have to be on 24 seven. You know, if someone calls me, I have to be able to be there for crisis, all that kind of stuff. And it's so easy to stop um, getting broken up about the fact that you're not with your family because ministry is taking precedent, right? You're like, well, I, I got to be there for ministry. And what's been so wonderful now working from home is like, I'm literally, I hear my girl screaming downstairs playing games and I'm like, I want, I know I can go down after this and hang out with them and have fun. Uh, and I, and I wanted that and I let ministry become an idea of, well, remember, I mean, you've got your family, but you've got to, you're called and you have, you don't have the time. And I think you're so right. We need to, Jeff said it, like he wants to spend time with his family. He wants to remember what his calling was, was to love his wife and his family first. Right. Uh, and, and I love that. And I love that. The tension that. of, we have this deep tension, right? Where Jesus says, if you don't hate your own family for my sake, you no. have no part in me, but then you've got in Timothy, <laughs> Hey, a man who doesn't take care of his own family is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. So you got this like this polarity, and so it, it's no wonder that we struggle with finding a balance. Yeah. Of, I also need to show my kids that the kingdom of God is more important than our comfort and our family. Mm. But I have to remember that they are my premier ministry call. Yeah. And and duty, duty, so many duties, priestly duties. Um, there it is again. So, man, that yeah, one caught me off guard. 
I'm trying to find that tension, man. Just trying to. Yeah. I, I'm actually writing a book. It'll come out next year called Grace in the Gray, A More Loving Way to Disagree. Mm, that's needed. Uh, um, yeah, because we just. Was that from your Instagram post you posted a, a bit ago talking about like listening and disagreeing? Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all you. I kind of tend to just stay on brand on whatever I'm thinking about. It's kind of all encompassing. But. The Pharisees wanted to be right. They didn't want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Yes. Um, and that we just have to be just so aware that that's deeply ingrained in us. Yeah. And, and we we just think that if we win an argument, that's going to save someone's soul. Yeah. I just, I just don't meet a lot of people who've been argued into the kingdom of God. No. But I meet a lot of people who've been loved into. No. You know, I I was I just did a podcast. Episode's probably going to go up later, but with a podcast with someone, they're, they're a lot more on the reform side. But they started the podcast because they were they were like, look, no no argument was ever won on Facebook, and I agreed. I was like, yeah, that's very true. But I also don't think any arguments won through a podcast. I don't think anyone's going to listen to a podcast that I post and and go, you got me. But but that well, conversation. But, but think about it. Think about it because because it, I would say in a in a podcast um people are listening to a conversation between two people true okay that's fair so that relationship element there i I just had friends who had you know walked away from uh jesus and the church for years and then came back through listening to jordan peterson's um like debates yeah because their big hang-up was just sort of logic they weren't hurt they weren't hurt by anybody they weren't it was just this doesn't make rational sense. Right. They thought themselves out of it. Right. And yeah. and and here's what's really interesting. In the book of Acts, uh, I listened to a Tim Keller sermon on this one time. This was really fascinating. And then I probably have to go because I have another thing. Here. And you do. And I, I'm trying to wrap it up, but you're just you're, I can't okay, stop me, you. Me, you're so good. Let me say, let me say this last thing. A really fascinating um progress. I forget what chapter of Acts it is, but there's three um, moments and they all happen back to back to back. And one is it's Peter and Paul, I guess, are in prison. Is that right? James and Peter flip. I can't remember who it is, but two of the apostles are in prison. Um, no, the first they're strolling through this town and this demoniac woman is yes. going, they're from Jesus. They're from the son of God. Hot. And she's screaming. And then basically says, I think it's Paul is just so annoyed he just goes, ah, be healed. And she gets healed. Yep. Then she gets healed. So that gets them in trouble with her slave owner, her pimp dad. Yes. Yep. He gets them thrown in prison. In prison, the, the, the walls shake and the chains fall off. But then instead of running out of the prison, they stay put. And right. the centurion, upon waking up and seeing that they're not, that they're unchanged, he's going to kill himself. himself. Yep. And they go, no, no, we're here. We're here. We didn't leave. And he's so overwhelmed that they didn't leave that he um, gives his life to Jesus. Before all of that, sorry, I, I get it all out of sequence. But before all that, Lydia, seller of purple, is sitting there reading the scrolls. And they go, hey, can we explain to you what you're reading? Sure. And they educate her into salvation. 
So yeah. Keller's point was, okay, Lydia's a seller of purple. Imagine she's a West End, Upper West Side um, designer. Right. Okay. Educated. She's out reading scrolls for fun. She gets debated into the kingdom. Right. Then you have basically a hooker from the Lower East Side screaming at them and through a charismatic declaration of power she's completely changed right then you have a blue collar centurion probably like a postal worker who thinks he's gonna not only lose his job but he's gonna be put in prison for letting prisoners escape right so he goes to kill himself but he's overwhelmed not by the preaching or the exhortation of the disciples but through the just the demonstration of we didn't run out because the we integrity in the character yeah yeah. So we we loved you without using words. Yeah. And just by living. So here you have three salvation experiences back to back to back, all completely different. Yeah. One is through debate, one and education. One right. is through proclamation, power, Holy Spirit, and the other one is through just the demonstration of love. Yeah. And so we have to be careful when we start going, this is the way it happens. This is the way God saves people. This is what you gotta do. And go, man. The Holy Spirit, each he just uses whatever he wants. Yeah. Amen. Well, that that's a great place to end. I'm not going to keep talking because that was a great place to end. Okay. So, all right. So, Flourish is out. It's your it's your solo album. Uh, at, per Mike, he says, you, if you're going to listen to any song, listen to Glory I Couldn't See. Um, you've got a book that's already out, God's uh, Life for My Will. Finding uh, God's Life. God, finding God's will. Life for My Will. And then your, your second book you said you're working on is Grace in the Gray. Um, when do you think that will be released? Uh, it's slated for next slated. fall. Slated for next fall. Wonderful. Marvelous. Beautiful. Uh, and then, obviously, follow you on Instagram, um, all those kinds of places. I friend requested you on Facebook just to see if you'll accept it. Um, we'll see. I am never on Facebook, so you're going to be waiting a long time. You know what? I'll wait. I'll wait until okay. until Jesus comes back. Uh, I, I post to Instagram, and then it automatically posts. Yep. <laughs> So direct okay. message me on Instagram if you want to respond. I'll there you be go. more more apt to write you back. Okay. Uh and then let's see, what else where where else can they find stuff? You got a website too that where they can listen or get more info on writing, songs, and stuff like that. Yeah. And your podcast. That's right. The podcast on um Chasing Beauty. Yeah, I hope I'm not just putting more superfluous content into the world. I hope I hope all my content speaks pointing mm. that you don't need my content. Amen. That's a great humbling thing as a Christian, right? As you're going. In the end, God doesn't need this. Well, there's that really stark stri- uh, I said I was going to say last thing. Last Stop, you're going, you're already, I can no, see no, you starting. No. In the great divorce, <laughs> there's this terrifying moment where this artist takes a day trip up to heaven, right? In a, in a school bus or whatever it is. Yeah. And then he's explaining to the angels how he can't stay in heaven. He's got to go back to hell because now that he's seen heaven, he can really paint hell mm. or he can really paint it for the people. in Because he's seen it. And so he would rather be celebrated for his painting about heaven for, than, than experience in heaven. Yeah. And some of us, hey, look. My dog's bark. That's okay. Some of us would rather be celebrated for talking about God than being with God. Amen. Mm, that's great. That's great. 
Awesome. All right. We're going to, I'm going to stop the recording. So once again, thank you so much for being on. And then I'm mean, obviously we'll just talk for a couple minutes afterwards. Uh, thanks for being on. I hope Mike, I hope you have a wonderful Lord's day, uh, in corporate worship at your church. I love that you go to that great church. Uh, and, uh, I just thank you so much for being on here, man. It was such a great time. Thank you.